Welcome to the Retirement Transition Podcast, where we help you navigate the retirement jump. I'm your host and retirement planning specialist, Carl Wolston. I'm the founder of Thrive Retirement Planning, and this podcast was created to help you prepare for and successfully transition into retirement. Welcome to episode 21, Give Every Assets a Job. This episode was created specifically around a problem that I see when I sit down with individuals and help them create plans, uh, what I call the retirement transition blueprint. That's a unique, very specific process that I take individuals and families through as they prepare for the transition. And here's one of the problems that I see is that People are preparing for retirement, say their 401k, their IRAs, their Roth accounts, their brokerage accounts, whatever their assets are, they are in a mindset that those assets um, have one purpose. And that purpose uh, for many people is to grow the assets. And depending on your risk tolerance, that may be your goal or not. But the, generally, when we're in the accumulation years, when we're in our 20s and our 30s and our 40s and our 50s, and we're, we're putting away money in our 401k or we're getting matches or whatever is, uh, however we're saving for retirement, we have our emergency fund, but we have these investments. Generally, in the earning years, we call these, or your accumulation years, the primary job of this money is to grow. And as people approach retirement, subconsciously, the problem lies in is that people feel unsettled because they realize retirement, this transition, is a lot more complicated than they thought. They only get to do it once. They want to get it right they may even have an advisor, but the the advisor hasn't created a, a transition plan. The advisor just says, you're okay, or the advisor is just trying to grow the money and maybe then take a little risk off the table as they approach retirement and go from a 70-30 to a, a, or an 80-20 and tap it down to a 60-40 or a 50-50 portfolio, putting more bonds in. We all know what's happened in the bond market recently. Um, it's been a painful bond market. And so we have this kind of this de-risking that naturally starts to occur because we feel ed on edge. We feel like, ooh, what do I do with all this money? And here's what I found over the years. And I call this, this is a unique process that I do um, in, in this retirement transition blueprint. But I think it'll be helpful for you to get this in your mind that there is in this process that I call giving every asset a job, as I mentioned in the earning years, the primary role of money and our investments has been to grow them. But as we get closer to retirement, really five to 10 years before retirement, our minds and our subconscious and our fears, this, um, this reactive part of our brain, the worrier part of our brain, the reptilian part of our brain starts to stress out because, uh, I need to accomplish a lot of things with my money, not just one thing. And this is occurring subconsciously. So the words that I found for it is, is really giving every asset a job, that there are seven specific jobs that we generally want our money to do in retirement. 
And the process that I found most effective with families who are transitioning into retirement is to start to bucket or start to plan and give every asset, every investment, every dollar a job in the portfolio, not just to grow it. Because And let, let's go through these seven different jobs that we give to our money. You know, one of the most, uh, the first job is to protect the money because it is in the earning years, it's just about growing and we can tolerate down years. Um, it's never fun to see a statement down $10,000 or $20,000, but especially if that's m money we need in the short term right away, because we can't, we don't have time in our timeline when you're say 63 and you're retiring at 65 if the market goes down by 40%, you know, so it, it could be a catastrophic loss. And that's what we want to avoid is catastrophic large losses that make you either work longer or retire on a lot less, or now you have to use Medicaid later for extended health care than earlier on, than if you would have budgeted for it, we would have used all those assets. We could have had a, a budget for that extended health care where you could have paid and had nicer facilities and those types of things. So the first thing is to protect the money. It doesn't mean protecting all of the money. And what we want to do is start to divide up and decide how much of the various funds go into which, which, um, which job we want to give that. So protecting money is a job, okay? The last thing we want to have happen, as I mentioned, is that we have to, the market goes significantly down specifically the money we need to spend or want to spend in the first 10 years of retirement goes down significantly right before we get there, right before we need it. That's catastrophic. It's stressful. It can change and alter the course of your entire retirement. So eliminate those large catastrophic losses is job number one for money that we're going to need, especially in the first 10 years of retirement. So that no matter what happens to the market, you've created a barrier, a shock absorber, so to speak, where you can still retire on your terms rather than the terms of the market condition. Or say you get a boss that you know more than, they're younger than you, they're making more than you, and it's just like you're getting burned out in with what you're doing, and the market's down. You have to endure. But if you if circumstances changed, or you needed to, you wanted to quit, or you were laid off, you can still retire on your terms because we have this protection in place with a portion of your money. Okay, so that's job number one. Job number two out of these seven um, in the retirement years is income. How are we going to and how are you going to convert a portion of your retirement dollars to income? And uh, along with income is Social Security, right? So what's the best Social Security decision to make? And you can't make a Social Security decision in a vacuum. I've sat down with hundreds of families on Social Security. I teach Social Security classes. I have an online class for Social Security. We have all these ways individuals can learn about Social Security because it's a foundation for most Americans. 
with your retirement income. But once you've made a social security decision, and or at least you know your options and the pros and the cons, and we see how it works overall in your portfolio, then we can say, okay, how much income needs to come out of a, a 401k or an IRA? An IRA generally gives us a lot more flexibility than a 401k, and there's some tax benefits and some others down the line that we can get into in a, another time. But many times people use IRAs instead of 401ks when they get in these pre-retirement years. And that IRA can be used to, okay, we're going to siphon this much dollars or this percent off on a monthly basis to supplement Social Security income. So we real literally kind of stack Social Security. If you have a pension, we'd stack that. If we have then we decide how much is going to come out of 401k. If you have rental properties, you know, should we pay one off? Should it not? What should we do to free up cash from that perspective? Uh, are you going to work a side job? So we create basically an income plan. So that's a job of money is we have to decide how much of this, these assets that we do have, how do we leverage rental properties? How do we leverage the 401k or an IRA, the money that we do have? How do we leverage that to turn that into income? so that we know exactly how we're going to replace our income, at least for the next 10 years. Sometimes we have a plan to replace the income for all of retirement. Sometimes we want to plan just 10 or 12 or 15 years out and take care of that first kind of decade, 15 years. Okay, so that's the second job we give to our assets or to our money. Okay, the third job we give is fund money. And I like to preface this conversation by dividing up retirement into three big phases. We call generally the first 10, 15 years of retirement the go-go years. The reason they're the go-go years is because when you're no longer working for the boss or maybe you're now part-time or you have a lot more freedom, right? And if we have the money equation correct, where we budgeted money for fun, that allows you to go and experience the travel, uh, maybe uh, working on the house, maybe taking on projects, maybe uh, gardening, maybe camping, and you want a camper uh, and a motor home. Or, but it's about the fun, right? And we have to have a budget for the fun. Because if you're, if you're, stealing from Peter to pay Paul, so to speak, meaning if you're taking money out that you need for extended like nursing care or health care later on retirement, or you're taking uh, uh, money out of kind of the legacy bucket that you wanted to give to your kids, or, you know, for various reasons, you're taking from one source or you're taking from money that you're going to need for income and you're going to run out early on because, you know, you're just pulling too much out for the fund. So you need to budget in all these areas and really kind of break, create a plan for all seven of these areas. So then you can free up money to go into the fund bucket. So you can really, really create amazing experiences. I love to travel and uh, my wife and I love to travel. We were in Chicago a few weeks ago. Um, we're trying to planning a trip to Europe next year. Um, we're heading, uh, taking a flight actually later this morning uh, to go see some friends. Uh, we, we love to kind of see things and do things, and but that's us. And, and everybody has to figure out what their fun thing is. And so this fun bucket is really, really important when you get into these retirement years of designating the money for fun, but you have to have all the other things in place so that you know you have the money to have fun and it doesn't create detriment. You don't run out of money 
It doesn't undermine your big retirement plan. So those are the first three, protection, income, and fun. Okay, and generally, um, as we, we kind of bunch those together, and then we jump into kind of four other things to budget for or bucket, uh, things to bucket for. So one of these is growth, right? So we talked early, uh, earlier in the first, first three there, they're kind of categorized in protection. The second area is really kind of this, which is number four on our list of the jobs we give to assets is to grow the money. So just because we're into retirement doesn't mean we don't want to grow it. But the goal of this money is over time, we want this to become larger. This is money we generally do not need for more than 10 years. So it's it's uh, we don't need it for a while. So we can be in the market. We can... Um, we can attempt to grow it and uh, be willing to deal with the, uh, the volatility of up and down markets. But because we don't need it for 10 or more years, generally most people in their risk tolerance are, are okay with some of the ups and downs of the market. Generally, it's kind of like walking up stairs with a yo-yo. We're going to have the yo-yo going up and down. So we could have, you know, three out of 10 years could be, could be bad years. Um, we've certainly had that recently here in the last couple of years, certainly with uh, coming out of COVID and, and inflation and, and all the pain that with that and the volatility of the markets and the Fed and war in Russia and, uh, and now the, um, the war down in the Middle East and, and the conflicts there. So, you know, all those create economic conditions and in our growth funds, if we don't need the money in more than 10 years, generally we're okay with that volatility because we know over time um, the market has performed historically. Now, number five for the job we want to give it is extended health care. So when we're starting to create a plan, one of the jobs we want to give our money is extended health care. We want to say from the very beginning, if you have a million dollars, we want to say, you know what, how much of this needs to be put away for extended health care, whether you self-insure or um, you do long-term care insurance, you know, the various ways to look at this. What you want to do is have a budget for it. And so maybe you, you peel off a little bit of money or a couple hundred thousand or 300,000 or depending on where you're at. And we want to make sure that we're okay with extended health care, whether you need it earlier and something happens in your 70s, um, you know, I've sat down with people who had a stroke in their early 70s, and none of us want that, right? But life happens, and life can be crazy, and we want to make sure that we have a budget for that. We know where that income's coming from for extended health care, so that if you need assistance, if you need a nurse to come in, you have a budget for it, and you're like, oh, yeah, we can do $5,000 a month. We have a really nice budget, especially if that doesn't happen until your mid-80s or 90s, and you're, you know, we're, we're doing this big retirement transition planning in the 60, when you're between 60 and 70, and we're putting a couple hundred thousand dollars away there, and that has a real good chance to, to grow at a much higher balance over a 15-year, 20-year, 25-year period before you need that. That's the optimal scenario that we have that those funds there. So that's the fifth area. The sixth area is legacy. 
And legacy is a really, really a big component of planning to dis because what happens with this is if we can decide what assets and if assets are going to be passed on to children or grandchildren from the very beginning, we can designate those. Many people I sit down with are like, you know, my kids are doing really well. If they get the house, that's good. Uh, the other assets, we really don't need to put towards giving to my kids for a legacy. And if we use it for a legacy, here's, some, here's an idea I want to throw out to you is, how can you live the legacy with the people you love rather than leave the legacy behind? So leaving the legacy behind, some people think leaving the legacy is leaving money, right? And, and that can be part of a legacy. It can be a very powerful part of a legacy depending on children and responsibility and how they use it and their needs and, you know, the various challenges people have in their lives. But for many people, they don't want to just dump money on their kids and then the family fights about how much who is getting, but rather live the legacy, take a family on a cruise or get an Airbnb and invite everybody out for a weekend during the summer for three or four days. Or, you know, there's lots of ways to live and leave a legacy while you're still around. And so having a budget for that and dedicating resources to that can be a really, really powerful way to live. But the reason I bring this up specifically, and one of the key things to think about, is if you just want to leave them the house, then what we can do is then we can move that money for some of that money forward in the timeline. And as long as we're planning for all the key areas of retirement, that can go into the fund bucket. That can be used for fund money earlier on, as long as we budgeted for health care, we budgeted for you know, protection and growth and income and all that we've covered uh, these core and basic needs, we can move that money forward in the timeline if we don't need it to pass on to our children. And we can put it to the fun bucket to go create memories with the people we love. Okay, so the seventh area um, is taxes. And there's this concept we call the retirement, the lifetime retirement tax bill, which is basically looking at all the way from when you retire until you pass away, what are taxes going to look like? For example, in this would be, should we do Roth IRA conversions? If you've heard of Roth IRAs, um, when should we do those? How can we maximize the tax brackets when we do those? Should we, you know, if you're in your 60s and you're earning lots of money, should you do Roth conversions now or should you max out your 401k contributions? What's the right decision there with taxes? As well as with taxes, what we're looking at is, you know, how should we treat Roth IRAs over time? And for me, Roth IRAs go in the in kind of the later portion of our funds. It's money we're going to maybe use for extended health care. Um, but being proactive about retirement taxes is definitely not only a strategy but also a job we give our money. And um, for a variety of reasons, um, for example, like if you needed extended health care and you had $50,000, say you had uh, $400,000 in a Roth IRA, you could pull out $50,000 in a given year. It does not impact Social Security taxes. It does not impact any other taxes. And then Roth IRAs are a great legacy tool as well because if you don't need it, you can pass it on and... Uh, children 
and grandchildren will have to pay taxes on the those Roth IRAs they inherit as long as all rules are followed. So in summary today, as, what I, as we've kind of talked about this, we have these, in the earning years, we generally have one dollar or one goal for our dollars, and that is to grow. That's, that's what we're trying to do with our 401ks or IRAs, all preparing us for the time when we're going to retire. And with people living as long as they are, one of the things we have to factor in is getting our money to last as long as we do and not outlive our money and just be, are we, answer the question, are we going to be okay? So that's in the earning years. And then as we prepare for the retirement transition, usually five to 10 years, can be a year before, can be right after, it's not too late if you've just retired, but start to take and divide up and start to give every dollar or every asset a job. And as we give every asset a job in these seven areas, protection, income, fun, growth, extended health care, legacy, and taxes, those are the seven jobs we're going to give to our money. And if you'd like to sit down and go through and help create a retirement transition blueprint where we take you through and start to help you work through to give every dollar a job and make these core decisions. Um, that's what we're here for. So you can always reach out to us at thriverp.com. You can go to the Get Started and uh, schedule a quick 15-minute consult where we can get to know you. We can do that via Zoom. Um, and then if, you know, if you're in the area... You, we can uh, meet with you in person if we need to meet with you over Zoom. We do that all the time. So thanks for joining us here on the show, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Carl Wolston is an investment advisor representative of Retirement Wealth Advisors, an SEC-registered advisor. Thrive Retirement Planning and RWA are not affiliated. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell any financial vehicle. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with professionals specialized in fields of tax, legal, accounting, or investments regarding the applicability of this information for their situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Any comments regarding safe and secure investments and guaranteed income streams refer only to fixed insurance products. They do not refer in any way to securities or investment advisory products. Fixed insurance and annuity product guarantees are subject to the claims paying ability of the issuing company and are not offered by Retirement Wealth Advisors.